Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. felt led earlier to open up by saying that something about tonight is going to be special for someone tonight. And God is going to whisper to somebody's heart tonight the name of a place that he is calling them to go and serve him, whether in a missionary capacity or some other sort of thing. And I'm stepping out in faith. Like, I'm not going to say, thus says God or something like that. Like, I want to be careful. I'm learning and I'm growing too. But I want to put this out there. So whoever you are, awesome. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being here. I pray that you open up your word in a powerful way. You'll shut my mouth with anything that's of me, and you'll open it with everything that's of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so eagles are very cool birds. I don't know if you've ever read up on some of the courting rituals of the eagle, but I'd like to unpack it just a little bit tonight because it's, it's fantastic and weird and super cool. Are you ready for this? So the courting ritual that happens between the female and the male ritual looks something like this. First of all, the males are in pursuit of the female. They're the ones that are trying to live up to par, live up to the standards and expectations. And the way that the female eagle will test the male eagle is that she'll take a small twig and she'll fly high up in the air and she'll drop it. And it's that male's job to swoop down at high capacity and snatch it before it hits the ground. Okay, so she goes and finds another stick, a little bit bigger. And she repeats this over and over again with bigger and bigger. And soon it's small logs that she's like flying up and she drops this thing. And if any point along the way that stick hits the ground, she is moving on. Bye, Felicia. She is moving on from that male eagle. And soon she's grabbing huge chunks of wood and dropping them. And that male has to get down there, dive after it and catch it before it hits the ground. And if it succeeds on all of her tests, And they go off, and she may lay one, maybe two eggs. I think three at the most. And she'll line her nest with her own down feathers so that it's nice and cushy in there. And she'll sit on those eggs, and the father, uh, the eagles, they mate for life, and the father is always around. And eventually, those eggs will hatch. And as those chicks get a little bit older and a little bit older, she'll actually start pulling the feathers out of the nest. And they'll plant their nests way up on the sides of cliffs or in high trees. I mean, way up off the ground. And she'll start throwing her feathers off until it gets a little uh, uncomfortable in the nest. And soon the little, the little hatchlings are, they're antsy. They're uncomfortable. And one day the mom comes to the nest and she grabs that eaglet and throws it out. And the eagle is falling, and it has no idea what's happening. But Dad Eagle swoops in and catches it before it hits the ground and brings it back up to the nest. So the monkey out at the nest again. And then, ah, it falls, and it flaps, and it struggles until Dad comes from nowhere and catches it again. And time after time after time until that eagle is flying. Isn't that beautiful? It all begins with this crazy test. But all the while, 
God wired them with a purpose so that that baby eagle could fly. Tonight we're talking about faith. And it's scary to be thrown out of the nest. It's scary when things start getting uncomfortable, and it's scary to fall. But we have a Father who is always nearby, who will never leave us or forsake us, and he swoops in every time and catches his kids. Hebrews chapter 11. This is the kind of the quintessential staple verse on faith, but I want to give it a little bit of context. Before writing this, the author of Hebrews talked about how before God, there is a line. He draws a line in the sand. You are either for God or you are not. There is no middle ground. If you think you can ride the fence, Satan owns the fence. There is no middle ground. You either call Jesus Lord or there is eternal punishment. It's crazy and it's awful and it's absolutely what God intended in his holiness and his love and his justice. And then he unpacks the next step is the author is talking to people that have chosen Jesus and because they did, they were persecuted for it. And they were having very hard times and they were persecuted even if they were associating with Christians. And he goes on to say, you're doing a great job. You've endured, you're holding it together. And then finally, he tells them, cling on to faith. And that's where he picks up Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. And he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Did I put it in verse two? I don't remember. Just one. And he goes on in the rest of chapter 11. Some people call it the hall of faith. He presents people throughout the Old Testament that lived by faith as examples, as models, as heroes, saying this is what faith looks like. And over and over and over again, Every one of those heroes was facing insurmountable odds, impossible things, absolute discomfort, and they took steps and they took actions anyway because they were people of faith. Faith is so key in our faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Paul argues book after book after book after book, where he says, it's not by works that we're saved, it's simply by our faith, it's by our belief in Jesus. Jesus says in himself, unless you believe in me, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should have eternal life. Now that Jesus came into the world, I'll just read it, I think it's up there. He did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but he sent it so that through him it might be saved how is that salvation? It comes through faith. It comes through believing. Faith is so crucial and it's so key and Satan knows it and that's why Satan's number one. This is it. This is his whole focus and purpose. Our enemy, Satan is all his demons. They're after one thing. They want to destroy your faith because if they can tear down your faith, you're done. It's over because it's through faith that we believe and it's through faith that we have eternal life. And so everything, he's created a perfect culture to doubt. He's created complete streams, rivers flowing in the direction of abandoning faith. Right down to how he'll interestingly plant demons in places to call them haunted houses because if he can convince people that there's an afterlife where you're just a ghost or a spirit and then there's not eternal life, of heaven or hell, 
once again, there's opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He's out to tear down our faith. We need to get past, long past the questioning of God's existence. Like, that's not even Christianity 101. Like, uh, James 2, 9 says, even the demons believe there's God and they fear and tremble. Like, Christianity 101 is already in the, under the assumption that there is a God and that he sent his son Jesus so that he could die on a cross, be raised three days later, and that we would believe on him. If, if you're still struggling with the idea of an existence of God, then it's, a, it's giving away two things. One of two things. One is that your faith has way too often been in your circumstances. I'll believe in God if. If God will give me this, then I'll believe that he's real. Or if things go my way, or, or if, if what I see, like, or maybe it's the other side. Maybe it's, I, I, it's hard to believe in God if there's so much evil in the world, if bad things happen. So your faith is more anchored in circumstances than it is in God. Or number two, if you're struggling with the belief of the existence of God, you obviously don't have a relationship with him. It's kind of like saying, do you believe in the existence of your mom? I mean, I mean when you go home, there's evidence that she's around. She requires things of you. She takes care of you. She makes sure that you're safe. Like, you don't have to, like, struggle with this idea. And when we look around at creation, we see the order of things. There's evidence that he's there. Romans chapter 1 says that he put into creation evidence of himself. Through creation, we can know him and recognize him. We, he takes care of us. The air that we breathe is evidence. The stars and how everything fits together perfectly. Like, if you're struggling with the existence of God, make a choice. Let's move forward. And then you can ask the question, do I believe that God sent his son? Do I believe that Jesus is the son of God? That's Christianity 101. But I can tell you that what keeps leading Christians back to that over and over and over again is just showing once again that our enemy is at work and he's trying to destroy faith. What is faith? Faith is, is it. Not, not believing in circumstances, not believing in what grandma knew, not believing, this is it. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's it. Circumstances can come and go. Everything can go wrong. Everything can fall apart. But if you can hang on to, I believe that you are who you say you are, and I believe you're going to do what you say you're going to do. It's going to empower us to keep going one more step. Because with relationship with him, he's leading, guiding, comforting. He's with us every step of the way. How are your quiet times? Are you spending time with God on a regular basis? Because it's the people going, ah, yeah, sometimes I doubt whether he's real or not. If you're spending time with him, then it's like, well, he's the one communicating with me. He's the one that I'm hanging out with every day. It's hard to not believe in the existence that I'm, of someone that I'm with every day. It's your quality time with him. What is faith? It's believing that he is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. We're trusting in his, please don't miss this. This is good. This is worth writing down or memorizing. We are trusting in his sovereignty over our circumstances. I'm going to say it again. We are trusting in his sovereignty 
over our circumstances, that he's in control because he promises that he's going to work everything together for the good of those who love him and according to his will. Are we trusting in his sovereignty that he actually is in control, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, that he is who he says he is? Or are we trusting in our circumstances that lead us back to doubting, that lead us back to fear? James chapter 2, verse 14, so good. What is faith? I like what James says here. What is the prophet, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but he does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them any th- the things that they're needing, what does it profit them? Let's keep going. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. Stay right there. Let's leave that slide up. We can say we love Jesus and we love people all we want, but it is an absolute empty statement if we're not willing to act and live in it. What we believe about God, who we believe God is, is going to change our whole lives. It's going to change how we act, how we speak, how we interact with people, how we see people. All day you can say that you believe in Jesus, but if you're not living for him, if your actions don't reflect that, then it's just a vain statement. Thus also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Hey, we just mentioned that. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? Have faith and I have works. Was not Abraham... Our father justified by works when he offered blah, 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 blah. And he was called the friend of God. Yes, that's so good. Yeah. Abraham had to take action. The faith alone is empty. It's dead, is what James is saying. But he had to take action. If we went back to Hebrews 11, and I won't take your time, you should go home and read it. It's awesome. Every single person that you read about faced, what did I say, insurmountable odds, and yet they took action anyway. They didn't just sit at home going, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. They left the front door. They put themselves in a circumstance, and this is key. They followed God into a circumstance where if God didn't show up, they failed. Over and over and over again. Abraham, go to another country. Where? I'll let you know when you get there. Okay. Gideon. I want you to go battle these guys. You have too many men. Dwindle it to 300. Uh, Don't take any swords either. Uh. Over and over and over again, God sends people to trust him, but they took action. Every single person in Hebrews 11. Abraham also had to have faith to have Isaac born. He was like 100 years old. He had to be taking action. Oh, that's weird. Some of y'all just caught that. What is faith? It's believing that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. 
and it's taking action. Faith is taking action based on trust. Trust plus action equals faith. You can't have one without the other. Faith without works is dead. Faith is taking steps, making decisions, and taking a leap without seeing a positive outcome. If you can calculate how it's going to work out, then you're not operating in faith yet. If you're looking going, God, if you don't show up, everything's going to fall apart. Welcome to the realm of faith. Faith, another word for faith is squirm. One of my favorite pastors said that. It's true. God's going to send us into things that do not look like they're going to be great. But he's going to send us anyway. And what's so cool is that whenever he shows up, it's only an evidence to glorify him. Ah, that's so good. But we'll never see that unless we're willing to get outside of our comfort zones. God's going to ask you to trust him in something that doesn't have a calculatedly positive outcome. Are you trusting in sovereignty or in circumstances? What faith is not, faith is not being in control and is not some sort of magic. It is not the idea that if you just believe hard enough, then God will do what you want him to do. That's some sort of genie in the bottle stuff right there. Faith is absolute surrender. It's God, when I don't get what I want, I'm still trusting you. God, when I don't see how it's going to work out, whenever I do lose, whenever everything seems to be going sideways and wrong, then when we choose to follow him. Faith is not saying, if I believe hard enough, God's going to heal me. Faith is saying, I'm going to trust you even if you don't. That's faith. God loves to take care of his kids, and he loves to bless us and do amazing things and miracles. It's all, it's all real, and it's all wonderful. But faith isn't based on miracles. It's based on him being who he says he is, and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. If your faith is based on seeing miracles, it's not faith. Jesus, over and over and over again, we get frustrated with people because people will come to him and say, Jesus, show us signs. And he would get so frustrated. There's one time when I said he groaned in himself because they weren't there to know him. They were there for what they could get. We are not serving Jesus. We're not serving Jesus because we want life to be peachy. We're serving him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. And out of that, we worship and we love. Faith is surrender. It's saying, I trust you no matter what the outcome. Think of um, Pastor Freddie brought him up this past Sunday. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, it's so cool. I want to turn there. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. You're supposed to bow towards this big idol of the king. He was a little narcissistic. And anybody who didn't bow, they were being thrown into the fiery furnace. I'm not sure why he had one of those, but he did. And it was so hot that when the guards would try to get close to throw people in, the guards themselves would get burned up. And he brings them in, and he's like, Shad, Mish, Benny, bow or you're going in. And I love what they say. They say this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, in whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand as well, O king. But if not, did you catch that? But if not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It didn't matter. Victory, defeat, whether they got burned or not, they weren't going to bow. Because they weren't basing their belief on circumstances. They were basing their belief on God's sovereignty. And boy, that opens the door for God to show up. The only boundaries of what God can do through you are the ones that you set when you play it safe. Faith says, I'm going. Point me, Lord, and I'm running. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's another word for squirm. I love, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Paul says, to live, I'm going to be like Christ. But to to die, that's even gain. Think about Jesus. The greatest defeat in human history was Satan putting Jesus on the cross. And yet it was the greatest cosmic spiritual victory that has ever happened in the history of time. When Satan thought the kingdom of heaven lost it all, that is when his head was crushed. Sometimes God sends us in and it might seem like we lose. But we're trusting his sovereignty, not our circumstances. It was people being burned for their faith in Rome that brought people to know Jesus and serve him. It was Christians giving it all. Because in God's eyes, in the eyes of what we're supposed to grow into, is seeing loss. But if it's a part of God and part of his plan, it's gain. Fear. What is fear? Boy, fear is the opposite of faith. Uh, Freddie, again, he said it. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's whenever we look at something and we go, obviously, everything's going to go wrong. And we're taking the evidence that we do have and saying, obviously, this is the only outcome possible. Think about that. Fear is like it's forgetting the promises of God. It's ignoring that his will is better than ours. It's snarling at the hand of our provider. And it's claiming that we actually know better than an almighty, omniscient, omnipotent, loving God. It's so crazy how fear freezes us. If you're afraid, you stop moving. So if Satan can bring fear into your life, he can freeze you in your tracks because fear is just spiritual paralysis. Can he get you afraid? Can he get you rattled by unanswered oncoming circumstances? So many times when we feel fear, our tendencies are to do one of two things. We either retreat and bail out, quit, or we try to take control. Think about um, retreat, bail, quit. Uh, think about Jonah. Uh, I don't really want to go over there. They're going to kill me. So he runs, right? God, God, no. And God sent the storm. Think about Elijah. Elijah, who sat down in the middle of the desert. God, it's only me. Everyone else that loves you is dead. I'm all alone. And look what I got for it. I'm in the middle of the desert and I'm hunted. I quit. I'm out of here. Think about, think about Abraham and Sarah. Whenever Abraham feared that God's promises weren't going to come true, they cheated and took a shortcut. And Sarah gave Abram, her handmaiden, to try to produce an heir whenever Sarah couldn't have kids. Try to take control. 
They tried to be dominating the situation. God, sorry, you're not pulling it off, so we're going to do things our way. I don't know about you guys, but I tend to try to take control often whenever I have an uncertain circumstance in front of me. We're so quick to reject the comfort that God is in control. Why? He's proven himself over and over and over again for us. We so quickly forget what he's done in the past. We so quickly forget his promises. I love the, the story of David and Goliath. I like seeing things in new ways. Jackie pointed it out to me about how much faith David had. David was like, he was a He's like a kid. He was too brazen and stupid to think otherwise. He gets out there. You realize the challenge? The challenge that Goliath put out there was, if I win, all the armies of Israel become our slaves. If you win, all the armies of the Philistines become your slaves. And this kid runs out there. Did David even, did he even wrap his mind around? If I lose, I'm enslaving my people. But he was, he was totally like, this, this Philistine talked bad about my God. Are you serious? Come on, guys, let's go. And what happened? Saul tried to take control. David, you need to wear this armor. <laughs> Didn't even fit him. David was like totally oblivious that there was any other consequences on the line, that any of this other stuff, that he could have enslaved his people. He could have tripped on a rock. And Goliath could have killed him, and Israel becomes slaves. Totally oblivious, because he was so certain, dead set, that God was going to show up. He knew it in his bones, because God showed up in the past. He showed up with the bear, he showed up with the lion. Of course he's going to show up. He's going to defend his name. And David runs out there with a leather strap. It's crazy. so many times, fear is a spiritual paralysis. It keeps us from running. It keeps us from trying. It keeps us from going. It keeps our mouths shut. Isn't that crazy? Let it rain. Those who walk in faith. Thanks, Sam. Those who walk in faith, they're brave. Those who walk in faith are obedient those who walk in faith, they worship. Why? Because we're brave because we have peace in our God. Isaiah, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace, those whose eyes are on you. What if you actually had peace about everything tomorrow morning? What if you woke up and every circumstance that you saw, it was just like, God's got this. It's okay. How would we live differently? How would we sleep tonight? We would operate so much differently if we actually really had genuine peace about everything, about our pasts, about what's going on now, about our futures. Those who walk in faith are obedient. Why? Because we surrender. God, I'm yours. My life's not about me anymore. I'm yours. Take me. Use me however you want. I'm trusting your sovereignty over my circumstances. And those who walk in faith, we worship because we're grateful. We're constantly remembering what God has done. We're constantly seeing him in the world around us. Fear walks around like this. And we don't even realize that God has stretched out this road in front of us that we can run down. And he's with us every step of the way. That we can worship on him because he's going to show up over and over again. We don't use up God's grace. 
His grace is new every morning. It's sufficient for me. It's not like, well, God, if you'll show up in this situation, maybe you won't show up in the next one. No. He's a perfect father. Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter, the spirit of truth. I love this starting point. In Mark 9, a father brings his son to Jesus, and his son is demon-possessed. The demon throws him into fires. It throws him into water. It's always trying to destroy this kid. And he brings the boy to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I, help him. And Jesus looks at the father and says, do you believe I can do this? And it's the best response ever. This is where you can start. And the father says this. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. How honest. Genuine. Humble. I, I, yeah, I believe. Can you fill the gaps for me? Wow. That, it's okay to start there. I believe. I'm, I'm stepping out. Here I am. I'm stepping out, and I really need you to catch. <laughs> over and over again in Hebrews, they took action. Remember the story of Peter on the water? I'll just put you down there now. Remember the story of Peter on the water? Jesus, if it's you, call me. Like, what if Peter had stayed in the boat? Cool. Jump in. Man, where would his faith have been? It wouldn't have been, any, it wouldn't have been anywhere else. It would have been stopped, stalled in the tracks, paralyzed by fear of the storm around him. And then Jesus goes, sure, come on out. <laughs> Watch this. And Peter walked on the storm itself because he was willing to take action. Read Hebrews 11 tonight. You won't find a single person that didn't take action based on their faith. There's a man named Keith Wheeler. God called him, and he said this himself. I heard him say it twice. He said, God called me to carry the cross. Have you ever heard of the name Keith Wheeler? He's the guy that has this big wooden cross, and he drags it all over countries, walking down highways and streets and dirt roads. I'm across Africa and Asia. You name it. He's been there, and he's drugged this cross. And everyone that comes to talk to him, he witnesses to him. Because people see this guy out sweating or freezing, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm carrying the cross. Let me tell you about Jesus. And Keith Wheeler said... He knows for a fact that God called him to carry the cross, but he's kind of wondering if he may get to heaven and God goes, dude, that was a spiritual thing, not an actual like literal cross. But Keith Wheeler was like, God, I'm, I'm taking action. I'll carry the cross. Sure. And he stepped on in faith to do it. God, I'm going. I'm going to trust that you catch me. He has incredible stories to tell. People saved miracles and happened in front of him. Amazing stuff because he was willing to try. He was willing to put it out there. He was willing to fail if God didn't show up. This is so small and so simple. Uh, several nights ago, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm going to be driving the school bus to camp. It's the big yellow submarine. It's going to camp. And I had to test, is it this morning? Yesterday morning, I had to test yesterday morning to drive a school bus. I have my, I've had my CDL for years, but you have to get a special thing added for a school bus. 
And I'm driving around the parking lot. It's like five or six o'clock. Things are starting to get dark. And I realized that the bus doesn't have some of the paperwork that it needed. And I was like, oh, no. I'm supposed to test tomorrow morning. It was at 7 a.m. It's not like I could go grab someone, you know, to get the paperwork I needed at 6.30 in the morning. And it was like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And, and like, I, I don't hear the, the audible voice of God. I mean, but I really, he leads me at times. And he does that still small voice in my heart often. And it was just like, it was just like he was like, Dom, keep practicing, keep driving. I got this. And I'm going, God, it's, it's after work time. Nobody's awake you know, or everybody's eating dinner with their families right now. I'm never going to do anything tomorrow morning. What am I supposed to do? And it was just like, just keep driving. So I had cones out in the parking lot. And I'm just driving and practicing like, okay, God, I guess you're going to, you know? And it's like, I could have just been like, well, it's not going to happen. Bummer, you know? And I turn it off and go home, be with my family instead of driving in the parking lot till 10. And it was just like, God just kept going, no, just keep driving, Dom. Keep trying, keep practicing. You're going to need what you're doing right now. Okay. And it was like an hour later, I got a phone call from the person who had the papers. Dom, what do you, you need them? Yes. Okay, come on. I'll see you in 10 minutes. Ah, like what if I'd been home? What if I quit? But it's just a matter of keep driving. It's so small. But I just, I was just trying to take action, trusting that God was going to come through, even when I couldn't see how it was. What's God asking you to do? Maybe it's small. Maybe it's big. What's he asking you to do? You know, I find this strange that we as Christians will spend 60 bucks doing dinner in a movie or on a next video game, on shoes. We'll spend way more than that to get the next iPhone. And then whenever we see somebody in need, we're like, well, hold on, I got to pray about that. Some missionaries at the church, whoa, 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 I got to, you know, hold on, hold on. I, I got to pray about doing that. You know, sorry, 30 bucks is too much. You know, I really, I need to hear from God that, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Faith without works is dead. I would, shouldn't we much rather leap into works because we believe? It's amazing how we'll choose ourselves. We have all the time in the world to watch YouTube, but then when our moms are talking to us, we don't got no time for that. But we know we're called to honor our parents. It's amazing how our actions don't line up with our priorities. What's God calling you to do? Maybe you've had that money put aside for something you've been wanting for a while, and God keeps picking at you going, you know that one guy? You know that one person? There's people in here going to camp because somebody came to the altar and said, Dom, I want to pay for someone to go who can't go themselves because they heard from God. You know what? Maybe they didn't even hear a voice. Maybe it wasn't some like, okay, I'll do it, golly. Maybe it was just them stepping out going, I don't hear nothing or anything, but I know this is right. You got it, Dom. I'll help someone go to camp. What's God calling you to do? The Bible says that even if you'll give someone a cup of water in the name of Jesus, you won't, you're not going to lose your reward for even something like that. What's God asking you to do? Maybe it's huge. Maybe it's sell everything you have, buy a 12-foot trailer and hit the road and go ministering for the Lord. Maybe it's talk to that one guy who always sits by themselves. Maybe it's just keep driving. There's a neat analogy that Jackie shared with me from Jenny Allen Bible study. And she talks about how she liked the idea of camping, 
but she kind of liked her creature comforts. So she only ever went camping in the backyard because the house is right there. The bathroom is right there. In case anything goes wrong and it rains, it is right there. And then she finally actually went camping in the wilderness. And the stars were gorgeous. The night sounds that she got to fall asleep to were unreal. And she felt alive. Because she was willing to risk a little discomfort. She was willing to get outside the box and leave what was normal and natural and comfortable. And I wonder how many of us with our faith are just like that. Me, often. We'll cling to our comforts like they're our source. Because we can control what's comfortable. But God is calling us to walk away where we don't have control anymore. That's faith. Ah! He's asking us to step over here where everything can go wrong if he doesn't show up. And it's right here that where fear may cause paralysis, faith can cause freedom. Because it's right here that we can have the peace of knowing that we're in the hands of an almighty God who loves us. And it's right here that we know that whatever is in our future, it's going to work together for the lo- those who love him. And it's right here that we can surrender and we can be a little oblivious to all the consequences of what goes wrong. Too many times we're so focused on the consequences. David could have been like, oh man, what's going to happen? He never would have gotten on that battlefield. He never would have had the victory for Yahweh if he would have been paralyzed by fear. But he ignored all the things that could have gone wrong and he focused on the one who was going to be on the field with him. Over here, where it's uncomfortable, where it's in the wilderness, where we're far away from our creature comforts and the things we can control and we're looking at God going, it's you or nothing, buddy. (laughs) I'm going to keep going. One step at a time. Hey, worship team, y'all come up. What's God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to leave your comfort zone? Where is he calling you to risk? To put yourself in a position where if he doesn't show up, you're biting the dust. Where is it? What is it? I want to pray for a minute. Let's bow our heads. Lord, it's scary out here in the dark, but your word is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, the enemy could come up behind us at any time, but you are our rear guard. We could go hungry, but you're the bread of life. Lord, I pray that our faith will not be an amount of higher or lower, of greater or lesser, but it's yes or no. I trust you. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Give us strength. Thank you, Lord, for being a compassionate God that that's an allowable answer. Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, have your way in us. I pray, Lord, that right now, everyone in this room from student to leader, you're opening up our minds to something you're calling us to. You're calling us to take a step of faith 
into the unknown, unpredictable, into the scary, into the wilderness, those kind of places that you love to show up in and you love to show off in, the kind of places that you get all the glory because we didn't have any control. Lord, I pray that you will rebuke fear from every heart in this place. Lord, help us close our ears to the enemy. Break us free from the paralysis that comes with that fear, with that clinging to comfort, with that clinging to what is seen and known. Lord, your faith is a substance of what we don't see. Minister to us. Talk to our hearts right now.